Welcome back to All Things Mysterious, where we talk about true crime, supernatural, and unexplained. And where I also try to annoy the crap out of Jordan. Every single day. Today is a very special day. Hey, you. Jordan, do you know why it's a special day? Yeah, I do. I do know why it's a special day. So let me tell you why today's special, Jordan. We've got a very, very special episode. You guys are going to love it, and I'm going to hate it. We, I have put together a little test for to test your true crime knowledge. Yep, going to hate it. I have included five stories. One is very well known. I think you'll get it, no problem. Freaking hope so, Jesus. Four of them are more obscure and not as mainstream. Probably heard of them, probably not, but we'll find out. Uh, each each question question I'm going to give you a real story, a little snippet of it, and I'm also going to give you one that I made up, and you've got to decide which one's real. And then I will tell you. I will go over the story. We'll go over the entire story. Um, so you're essentially getting five stories in one today. And we get to have Jordan go through hell. So Thank God I got an energy. Uh, you would have to get four out of five. Don't. You get a punishment. I got a punishment? <laughs> I do not get a punishment, Matthew. We did not talk about this before. No, we did not. I do not get a punishment. Get a punishment. I do not get a punishment. No the hell kind of punishment do i get no no do not say ghost hunting i swear to god (laughs) nope you're already doing that so uh no we'll come up with something we'll let the fans decide oh that's even worse (laughs) oh dear jesus but don't you dare do something horrible to me i'd better win this but if you win do I get to punish you? Get a reward. That's not as fun as punishing you. <laughs> Is my reward punishing you? That would be okay. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want. Yes. Or you could, you know, give yourself a month longer before we do the ghost hunt. That would be kind of a reward. It's just cold. Okay. Like, I just, it's just cold outside. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, you're not going to get the reward, so I could pretty much get. God, uh, I have been putting this day off <laughs> since he told me what he was doing. I was just sitting here. I what I really should have been doing was just randomly researching, but no, I was researching my own episode. I searched for obscure true crime, and then I went to the very last page. God, I've listened to so many episodes. I've never been so happy that I'm sick in my life, and I a lot of this back of my oh but it gets oh. you don't get a whole lot of details uh and the fake stories may have a little sprinkle in real events you gotta very listen carefully so let's start you ready no but fine question They'll pick A or B. Ghost, but... Well, we'll, we'll go. 
So A, an un unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California in the late 60s. He taunted police by sending Or B, a serial killer who operated in the 80s in Kansas. He was only caught because he'd left his wallet with one of his bodies. What a... I don't know. What, what kind of question is... Just pick one? A or B? A. You actually got that... You really, that's the easiest question. I mean, it sounded right. Who is that? The toy box? Zodiac killer. Zodiac. <laughs> that was the easiest question. <laughs> Were you maybe in trouble? Cause... No, we really are in trouble because that was like not even a real question. Like what even? This is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. That's not even a real story. That's just a sentence. That's not even a story. That's a sentence, Matthew. I know. I'm going to go into the story now. But you get one sentence. That's all I get? Yep. I get a sentence? <laughs> That's all I have to go on? You have to give me more than that. No. That's not even real. You are welcome. That's not even real. No. I have to have more than a sentence to go by. All you get. Oh, my. Jesus you have a Shit. 50, even guess, and you have a 50% chance. Oh, God. I mean, I. <laughs> uh, got it right. So now uh, we'll talk about the Zodiac. Fine. Since, since you talk about the Zodiac. Since you obviously need a refresher course in Zodiac. Um, honestly, I thought that was going to be the easiest. To be completely honest with you, I am not the biggest serial killer person. Um, Zodiac is literally what got me interested. I, well, it, I've talked about this before, but my biggest interest in true crime is actually not serial killers. It's actually missing persons, um, which is one of the reasons when we started this podcast, it was all things mysterious. And it's, it's the missing persons that get me the most. It's not necessarily, not necessarily serial killers. So... That's actually a weak point. So, fair enough. Anyway, go on. Okay, so, um, one, one of them you might do well on because it's a missing person. Hey, I'd better win that one. I am well-versed in the missing persons. So, the Zodiac Killer ter terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area during the late 1960s, early 1960s. Uh, leaving a trail of fear and cryptic messages. Uh, the Zodiac has five confirmed kills, two assaults, um, and several more that are attributed. Uh, his count was up to as high as 30-something uh, in his letters. But please agree that five for sure. Yeah, a lot of the times like that, you believe they're killed to be much higher but you can't actually and we'll kind of go through the timeline here uh starting with his first kills um called the lake herman road kills oh lake herman road um where david faraday age 17 betty lou jensen 
So on December 20th, 1968, the Zodiac Killer claimed his first victims, high school students, Betty Lou Jensen and David Arthur Faraday, on Lake Herman Road near Benicia. Benicia. I don't know, somewhere in California, San Francisco. Listen, Uh, names are hard to pronounce. Honestly, uh, if you guys get offended by how I pronounce a lot of these words, uh, it's going to be very bad for you. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's about as bad as me on the Diat Love Pass episode because yeah, like it's there is one story in particular that you guys will know about uh <laughs> I will be referring to that guy as Chester just FYI <laughs> I understand uh that episode was so hard on me because it was just it was yeah. so hard um the couple on their first date parked in the lover's lane around ten fifteen p.m their bodies were discovered shortly after 11 p.m by a nearby resident Speculation by Robert Graysmith suggests another car may have pulled in. The killer possibly ordered the couple, couple out. Faraday was shot in the head while exiting the car. And Jensen was shot five times as she found 28 feet from the car. Uh, despite the you know, Solano counter sheriff's investigation, no leads to do. Um, and these were just the first two, so there was really, you know, so then we move on to July 4th, 1969. Almost seven months old. Seven, eight months. Whatever. I'm, um, Michael. Through math. We don't do math here. Yeah. Michael McGayu, age 19, and Darlene Farron, 22. Um, at Blue Rock Springs Park in Valheo. Why is California's city name so friggin' annoying? I don't know, but I'm glad. Not like all of, you know, Missouri's towns are all that much easier, but we live here, so we know how to pronounce them. Joplin, Web City, Carthage, easy. Um, and then there's still people who say Carthage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway. Uh, Darlene and Michael were attacked just before midnight. Uh, second car initially ap- approached but left, returning 10 minutes later to park behind them. The assailant... Assailant? Assailant? Assailant. That is a day. Armed with a Focus flashlight. Focus on making wrong with you. And a 9mm Luger uh, shot both victims five times. And the killer called the police the next day, claiming responsibility for his attack in the Lake Herman Road murder. The... Paul was traced to a nearby gas station. Darlene would die from her injuries, uh, but Michael actually survived. And he is the first survivor of this, of the Zodiac killer. He described the, the, he described the Zodiac <laughs> as a white male. I love how you skipped yeah, over a sailor. You're yeah. like, eh, nope. <laughs> I'm giving up on that. Uh, aged 26 to 30 years old, weighing around 195 to 200 pounds. With short, Light brown curly hair standing at five feet. So now before we get into any more murders, we're going to talk about the letters that he uh, On August 1st, 1969, the Zodiac Killer sent three, uh, three uh, letter, or, uh, nearly identical letters to three uh, claiming ca- credit for the Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Spring shootings. Each letter included a third of a 408 symbol cryptogram with a 
threat to till unless published. The Chronicle printed its portion, prompting the killer to respond on August 7th, adopting the name Zodiac. Uh, that was actually the first time that he acknowledged the name. Uh, and provided unreleased murder details. The cryptogram was cracked on August 8th by Donald and Betty Hardin, revealing a misspelled message referencing the most dangerous game. Love that it was misspelled. Yeah. And I love how he just, the most dangerous game. Um, I think perfect for <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. Death. Oh, it gets better. Uh, the killer said he was collecting slaves for the afterlife. And he refused to disclose his identi- identity so he could collect more slaves for his afterlife. Okay, then. Uh, like that, but. I guess it's slaves for the afterlife. I guess that's. One way to do it, I don't know. Not the way to go. Like if I was in the afterlife, killed me. That's not gonna be slave, man. Sorry, but I'm gonna be like, no, screw you. So now we go to the Lake Berryessa murder, or murder, um, that occurred on September 27th, 1960. Brian Calvin Hartnell, age 20. Cecilia Ann Shepard, 22. Um, Pacific Union, they were Pacific Union College students. Um, they were approached by a hooded man claiming to be an escaped convict. Armed with a gun and a knife, he forced them to tie each other up before stabbing them multiple times. The killer left a symbol on Hartnell's car and made a call to the Napa County Sheriff's Office to report the crime. Despite a detailed description from Shepard, the killer remained unidentified. Help arrived after a nearby father and son heard the victim's screams, but Shepard succumbed to her injuries two days later. Detective Ken Narlow, dedicated to the case, worked on it until his retirement in 1980. And even to this point, they had no leads, nothing. And I don't, even at this point, I don't think they actually tied them together yet. Yeah, um, this was the first time that he kind of used that that infamous hood, that, you know, with the glasses sewn on to the the sunglasses, uh, and it's also the first time that he used the symbol. Um, I don't know, you ever seen the, the yeah. Zodiac symbol? Yeah, yeah. This was the first time that he actually used it at a crime. So now we're gonna fast forward to October eleventh, nineteen. And the Paul Lee Stein. This is probably one of the most infamous, infamous ones. Um, <laughs> this is also the one where um, kind of reminds you that it was 1960. Uh, so on October 11, 1969, the Zodiac Killer shot and killed cab driver Paul Stein in San Francisco. Stein had picked up a white male passenger who requested a ride to Presidio Heights. Instead, Stein drove one block past the destination to Cherry Street, where he was shot in the head. Witnesses observed the crime, 
with three teenagers calling the police. Patrol officers saw a man wiping the cab and walking away. Police watched the Zodiac Killer walk away because they thought they were looking for a black Yep, that was... <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so they literally had the Zodiac. Uh, they were basically right on top of it. Watched him uh, walk... I couldn't be a Oh. Because they were told from the 911 dispatch that it was the suspect was black. So they basically just walked him, watched him walk to the park and disappear. Can't be a white guy. Um, uh, the Zodiac, you know, letter to the Zodiac Chronicle two days later claimed responsibility for the murder, including a torn piece of Stein's bloody shirt. The letter also contained a chilling threat about shooting school children on the bus. That is definitely. Yeah, they took it very seriously. Um, Pretty much every school and every bus had armed, armed, you know, police watching it. Um, I think they even had National Guard activated to watch schools and buses. Um, I mean, it, it, they, at this point, it was taken very seriously. But literally, the Zodiac Killer could have been caught. Cops weren't. I mean... And not necessarily, I mean, I'll give the cops a little bit of credit because they were just going by what they were told from dispatch. At the same time, like, we all know that witness, eyewitness testimony. And, I mean, the, the teenagers who reported the crime, they, they never mentioned the guy's race. Uh, but definitely at some point when they were, you know, dispatching the police on it, it somehow became a black man. Um. I don't, there's still obviously a lot of confusion on how yeah, that actually is. happened. Um, and then we're going to get into some um, further letters. Uh, on October 22nd, 1969, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding the appearance of lawyers F. Lee Bailey or Marvin Belly on a talk show. Belly agreed but the caller using the name Sam failed to show up for a meeting arranged by Belly. The call was traced to a mental institution patient, ruling him out as a Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, I would think that that probably would rule it out. Yeah. So then on October 8, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a cryptogram called Z340, which remained unsolved for over 51 years. In December 2020, it was deciphered. With the Zodiac denying being the Sam on the show, the FBI confirmed the decryption but found no new clues. Um, going back to November 9th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a letter claiming two policemen spoke with him minutes after the shooting Stein. On December 20th, 1969, the Zodiac sent a letter to Belly including another piece of Stein's shirt seeking his help. Uh, that, would be the, that was the last confirmed kill. Um, there was a few letters afterwards, but all the good stuff already happened. Now, on top of that, there's several victims that are 
a lot of people think might be the Zodiac right, killers. Right, that were believed of him, but yeah. <clears throat> weren't uh, confirmed because mm-hmm. he didn't claim them. The, I would say, honestly, um, uh, hold on. Uh, Kathleen Johns is probably the most most agreed upon was actually one of the first victims of the Zodiac. Uh, she and her infant daughter actually survived. Uh, they were abducted by a person that they thought was the Zodiac. I mean, and this was back in um, 1970. Uh, well, this was after all the Zodiac killings. But in Modesto, California, she eventually, you know, jumped out of the car basically with her infant child and survived. Impressive. Um, but he, mother's love and intuition. Yeah. She got to do basically he kidnapped her and you know, she was hitchhiking, uh, kidnapped her, said he was going to kill her and her, her child. I can't remember if it was son or daughter. Good job. Uh, honestly, like most every story just says her child. Um, kept her for an hour and a half until she finally escaped. But that's the one that kind of is the most agreed upon that it might actually be the Zodiac's final victim, even though she survived. So, I mean, there's several others that possibly could have been, you know, but, yeah, because uh, serial killers typically don't just stop. Yeah. And the fact that he's never been caught, uh, kind of amazing. But you got like, you know, serial killers like the Golden State, who was never caught either yeah. until recently. Well, and even then, that was kind of a Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, but that, the Zodiac Killer, honestly, is probably the one that intrigues me the most. Um, such an interesting story. Granted, you know, there's five confirmed confirmed victims. Um, well, seven survived. Um, oh, victim. Yeah. I kind of meant victims of murder. Murder victims, victims but, but they're, they yeah. are still victims. Oh, just yeah. victims. And they're still victims. Um, it's definitely, it's a really good story. Uh, really, it is honestly the first one that got me kind of into the whole true crime thing. Um, so it holds a special place in my heart. And I am super upset that you didn't get that one. Or you did get it, but only by luck. <laughs> it was luck. I just kept thinking. I was like, there's no way that I've heard of somebody being caught by leaving behind. That was a good one. I was like, I don't remember ever hearing that. So it had to be the first one. And there's always... Yeah, like I know that sounds terrible, but it's true. So that that one was the um, probably the longest one. Uh, most of these are shorter stories. I mean, I could have probably dragged that out to a full episode, but I kind of wanted to do all these together, and I wanted to torture you. Ah, uh, you always um, favorite thing in the world. And the most the main reason I put that in there because I literally thought that was gonna be the easiest one. <laughs> so okay. Question number two. A plane, a military plane goes missing in the Bermuda Triangle in the 70s. 
without a trace. Only to reappear two years later with crew still on board, unchained. The government covered it up. And then that's A. Or B. A 11-year-old girl is found adrift at sea. When she is found, a man commits suicide after hearing the news that she's alive. A or B? I don't like this. I don't recall either story. However... I don't like either story. I don't. I'm. <laughs> oh. I don't feel like. Feel like I'm definitely trust. I feel like it's final answer have to be half fine one chance you are correct the story of terry G- joe superall <laughs> <That's exactly laughs> <right>. <laughs> Hundred percent. That was my inspiration behind that one. Called it. (laughs) Fucking called it. But it's also a little, you know, it's actually sounds pretty believable for me to triangle. I would have recalled that story because I want to cover MH bad that I would have recalled it. No, I didn't know the other story, but I would have recalled that shit, man. So this is the story of Terry Joe. Um, so for the story she's just gonna be terry joe that's fair can't Uh, blame you for that so we're gonna start from the beginning around 12 35 on monday november 13th 1961 a crew member on the oil tanker golf lion spotted a man frantically waving from a drifting dinghy claiming to have a dead child on board the crew rescued the man, identified as Julian Harvey, skipper of the Blue Bell. Harvey explained that a sudden squall the previous evening caused the Blue Bell to capsize, leading to the death of a seven-year-old girl, Renee. Harvey unsuccessfully tried to rescue his wife and passengers before being forced to abandon the sinking catch. I remember this story. I just didn't. Okay. No, I remember the story. I remember it. (laughs) An autopsy later confirmed Mm -hmm. Renee's cause of death as drowning. Um, So Harvey was taken to Nassau where authorities questioned him, despite doubts about his story due to his calm demeanor and well-equipped. His claims could not be disproven. He was permitted to return to Miami on November 15th Face further questions by the U.S. Coast Guard. Now, on October 16th, three days later, child was rescued by the Greek freighter Captain Theo, 
in the Northwest Providence. Second officer, Nicholas. Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas. Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas. Uh, you know what? I Whatever. feel you. Trying to pronounce the Russian names felt like that. Greek is almost as hard. I believe. Uh, spotted, her on a, spotted her on a cork float about a mile from the ship. The crew immediately stopped the engines, lowered a life raft, and rescued the 11-year-old Terry Joe, who had been adrift for several days after her family's boat sank. Terry Joe, in a semi-comatose state, identified herself and was given water and orange juice. The Captain Theo's crew did not retrieve the cork float, but a Coast Guard member later found and retrieved it, discovering its near disintegration. Um, the Captain Theo's captain alerted the U.S. Coast Guard about Terry Joe's dire condition, prompting a rescue helicopter, airlifted to a Miami hospital. Terry Joe suffered from sunburn, dehydration, and exposure. Was in critical condition. Oh, that- Especially um, after I remember the story, I remember what she went. After three days or three hours, her recovery began. But for over two days, she couldn't disclose the details of her famous tragedy. Now, on October 16th, Julian Harvey repeated his account to the U.S. Coast Guard investigators, maintaining that a sudden squall caused the Bluebell's mast to fall, damaging the ship's hull, rupturing the gas tank, igniting a fire. Harvey insisted, yeah. Harvey insisted the circumstances prevented him from rescuing his wife, um, Terry Joe's family. He also stated finding Renee's body in the water and attempting unsuccessfully to revive her. Um, on October 17th, during Julian's interrogation, he learned of Ter- Terry Joe's rescue, proving condition. Responded with apparent relief, he exclaimed, Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Nobody, not for you, it's not. When informed of an official investigation into the Bluebell's loss, Harvey requested to be excused, claiming fatigue and a desire to speak with his wife's family. He checked into a motel under an alias, John Monroe and wrote a two-page suicide note before taking his own life by slashing his thigh, ankles, and jugular vein with a razor blade. Thorough. I'll give him that. The note found adjacent to his body lacked explanations or apologies and simply expressed that he couldn't endure the situation. Harvey requested burial at sea and entrusted the care of his 14-year-old son, Lance, to a close friend, friend from his military service. So at this point, they have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're about to, though. Oh, yes. Because on November 20th, Terry Joe shared, the, uh, shared with investigators the truth about the Bluebell and its passengers lost. Yep. On the return journey on November 12th, Terry Joe heard her brother's screams and investigated to find her brother and mother dead. Uh, Harvey assaulted her, shoved her below deck, and then struck the vessel, causing it to sink. Harvey, carrying what appeared to be a rifle, spared Terry Joe, returned above deck, and later dove overboard, abandoned her. Terry Joe untied a cork float, threw it overboard, and drifted for almost three and a half days before rescue. 
He refuted Harvey's claims of a fire and maintained the sea's calmness. Harry Joe learned Harvey had been picked up alive in the life raft with her sister's body three days before her rescue, while her parents, brother, and Harvey's wife were lost at sea. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I remember that. I didn't know. I remember now about him, but yeah, I, I remember the story now that you're going more of the details, but yeah, he, I just don't, I don't know how people, their families, I mean, I'll never understand. Um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about some of his, um, so, it's like when people, I don't know. I can understand defense. Basically money, what it boils down to. So, uh, with Terry Joe's compelling account and Harvey's subsequent suicide, an investigation delved into Harvey's troubled history. The decorated war veteran faced employment instability, financial woes, and had recently attained a double indemnity insurance policy on his wife. A month before the uh, Terry Joe's family chartered the Bluebell, Harvey was hired to take tourists to seas, including Terry Joe's family. Uh, the inquiry suggested Harvey planned to murder his wife to claim insurance money, possibly observed by author Arthur Joe's father, Terry Joe's father. Um, Harvey then proceeded to kill the entire family, adding credibility by retrieving. Renee's body from the ocean. The inquiry concluded that if alive, Harvey would face prosecution for all deaths aboard the Bluebell and the attempted murder of Terry Joe. And that's honestly the messed up part is the fact that he killed her sister and then took her body to kind of make it seem, make him more credible. Uh, on the other hand, though, I mean, the fact that she at least got to bury one of her family members. Feel bad for, but at least she. Oh. The most minute amount of clothes. You're doing good so far. Two out of two. I mean, muscle look. Now we're gonna go to number three. Probably still failing, but cool. This one you um. You probably will get. Um. So a woman disappears in Southern California in the early 20s. 1920s? 1920s. Her body is found in London two days later. Pre-flight. And then B is... A woman disappears while hunting for Bigfoot. Her male friend says that she was abducted by Bigfoot. Who I will add to give you a little more. He was with her at the time. I'm not supposed to like any of them, but... Obviously, I'm not supposed to like any of them. Your whole idea was to piss me off. That was the whole plan of this episode, was to make me angry. It really was. He was, like, cackling while he was telling me about this. Feel his evil little grin. A or B? I don't like either of them. I feel like this 
first one. It was a woman disappears in Southern California in the early 1920s. Her body is found in London two days later. And I will say a little more of a hint. Uh, this story is <clears throat> unbelievable, but it is 100%. That is all I'll give you. You're going to tell me all of them are true. Well, I, I, the story that's true here is something that, let's just say, it has to do with uh, the government. Went missing looking for Bigfoot? A woman disappears while, hunt while hunting for Bigfoot. Uh, her male friend who was with her says she was abducted by Bigfoot. I don't like either one of those options. They both sound like shit. One of them is true. One of them is fake. I feel like you're playing mind games with me because you are. <laughs> I really am. I know you're playing mind games with me, and be I feel like because, like, be said that A is. I never said. I feel B. like you. Had no, I said one of them. Was true. I said the one that's true is unbelievable, and but it is true. I wasn't specifically picking one out to tell you. I wouldn't cheat. Integrity of the game is on the line. I vaguely remember about a. Feel like it wasn't in. The, feel like it was a lot later. Woman, turn up. Identity. I feel like that was a lot like that was so I think that's no I trust that and I sure as hell don't anything about it so I'm fuck it I feel like I'm wrong I feel like I'm really wrong especially because all of this is fucking obscure because you're stupid <laughs> mother of god I hate you I'm just going with A because Fuck it. I'm just trusting my gut. A. Final answer. Eh. I feel like I was wrong. You're wrong. It is B. And this one is specifically the disappearance of Teresa and B. The only thing that I could think of woman that I had a feeling in my gut that it was not right, but I don't felt. I don't know. I don't know. This is stupid. This is a stupid game, and I <laughs> fucking hate you. Hey, you're doing pretty good. Two out of three. Uh, you're doing a lot better than I thought you would. I mean, mostly sheer luck, but... First one was mostly luck, but it, it was kind of ruling things out. But if you guys could see my face right now... <laughs> this is one that I wish I was recording in video because it is just... 
This magical. one in the Mandela Effect yeah. video, my face, I'm sure, would give because oh, yeah. I'm just like, ugh. So have you ever heard of Teresa Ann Beer? No, I don't think I have. Maybe uh, if I hear the rest of the story, maybe. But. Yeah, because this story's a little um, creepy. Uh, well, I'll just get into it, and you'll kind of... Right. Go for it. Have so fun. On June 1st, 19, 1987, 16-year-old Teresa Ann and 43-year-old Russell Skip Welch. You say 19 and 43. 16 and 43. 16 and 43. Yeah. That's creepy. Yes. That's really creepy. That was the male friend. Oh, that's really yeah. creepy. I don't like that. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse? And this is true? Yes. Oh, that's... Okay. Yeah. Um, they became separated in the Sierra Nevada mountains during a trip to search for Bigfoot. He was initially charged with abducting Teresa. Uh, Welch's legal troubles were later, later dismissed due to lack of evidence. The circumstances, circumstances what the heck, surrounding <laughs> Teresa's disappearance remained mysterious, prompting questions about whether it was a case of kidnapping and murder, or as Welch insisted, a Bigfoot-related incident. Uh, I feel like that was like, Definitely Bigfoot related incident, just a kidnapping and probably. So Teresa's background revealed a troubled upbringing marked by abuse and instability with her family. Placed in foster care after suffering severe injuries, Uh, Teresa faced a challenging environment, including alleged sexual abuse. Uh, Her association with Welch, a man with a penchant for meth and a fascination with Bigfoot. Added complexity to the investigation. I can't <laughs> even write. I mean, the more I read, it's like. E- yeah, this is obscure. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's definitely obscure. I definitely don't know the case. I know. It's like, you know, as weird as it is, you know, adding the Bitcoin into it, you think it'd be a lot more like popular. Uh, no, it's, it's not. Uh, there was, I mean, the most information was the California um, Bureau of Investigations, the, the missing person site. Yeah. Literally the place that had the most information. I'm sure it probably did. They were like, he blamed it on Bigfoot. So here you go. Oh. So Welch's conflicting accounts of Teresa's whereabouts, coupled with the discovery of a staged campsite, raised suspicions. <laughs> this gets worse and worse for this. Uh, despite searches and investigations, Teresa's fate remains unknown. Uh, Welch, who passed away in 1998, maintained his innocence, sticking to the claim that Teresa had joined a Bigfoot community in the mountains. <laughs> okay. Okay, buddy. What, whatever you say. So, I will say okay. that this... this I mean, is, he stuck yeah. to his guns, though. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, I will, you know, and I will say that there, this case is very much uh, overview. Um, a lot of it, because a lot of it has to do with like her history and her like, right, like an uncle, her and um. But as far as the case goes, uh, obviously, you know, old Skip here was the prime suspect. 
I can't imagine why. He was with her when she Seems disappeared. Seems a little bit unhinged, if you ask me. Oh, I just love, I, I mean, I love it that he would stick to his claim and said, you know, claimed that Teresa had joined the Bigfoot community in the mountain. Like, That's the most likely suspect yeah. here is Bigfoot, in my opinion. It was definitely exactly what happened. I, I didn't kill her. She joined the Bigfoot community. That's definitely what happened. It's fine. There's obviously no crime if there's no body. So. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. So yeah, that um, that was definitely one of the <laughs> more obscure ones, which I thought you would actually have a better chance because it was a missing person case. That one is so obscure that there was no way. And the two reasons I added that one is. Well, actually, the main reason is because of well, the Bigfoot thing. Yeah, exactly. I figured that would throw you off the most. It which, did. Yeah. It did. It did throw me off real good. So you were right. I was like, there's no way. And the story, the original story, the, the you know, woman disappears in Southern California in the 1920s. Um, originally, I changed it, but it was just too generic. Well, to be entirely fair, like I said, there was a case, and I think it happened much later yeah. in my brain. And you might remember yeah, I know, more I about think that I know case. Talking, I forgot yeah. the name of it. She was like a spy. <sighs> she and, was a spy. Yeah. And eventually it was figured out, I believe, that she was a spy. But I think it was in the 80s. It was like Might have been the 60s. I don't remember. But it was discovered, or I believe, it, that no. she was a spy. But her identity is still more or less unknown. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think you know the case I was talking about. But. Yeah, I can't remember it. It's... Was she was like, more or less an unknown woman, but I was thinking of that case being a possibility. But it was like, I don't think, and I don't know. I remembered originally you saying that there was possibly paranormal in this. So I was like, I don't know, maybe it's a paranormal thing. And you're red herring. Herring, I don't fucking know. I'm, my brain is. This next <gasps> one, I, I cannot wait to tell you about this next one. Oh, I don't even. going to. Remember what I, what I said in the last episode. I overthink all of this. Remember what I said in the last episode uh, about the more detail. Uh, so, number four. Um, a is a cult in the 70s who predicted the world would end. And when it didn't, the leader said the reason why is because God's world and ours are in different time zones. Or B. Fairly well versed. Or B. A cult who believed that the Taco Bell dog from the ads was actually a god. I kind of want B to be true. <laughs> like, I really kind of want it to be true. Because I want to hear about it. <laughs> I will say I had a fun time with this one. That's all I'll say. I really want B to be true. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> What's your answer? I want it to be B. I feel like it's A. Which one? Can we go with the one you want or the one that you think? Feel like it's. A, but I want it to be B so bad. I don't know. I'm going, I'm, you know what? I'm probably going to be 
Maybe it is. Seems super out there. I mean, if it was a fake one, that would be kind of weird fake one. It'd be too obviously fake. It would be so obvious. I kind of want to pick it because it just seems great. What was it that believes the Taco Bell dog is a god? Mm-hmm. You know what? Fuck it. That's the one I'm picking. That is incorrect. I feel like it probably was, but <laughs> just because I wanted it to be real. This one actually because I would join that cult. It sounds great. Honestly, like there, there. I'm. I remember distinctly. Uh, this one's kind of based in fact. It's not actually a cult, but there was a lot of memes going around. Yeah, I about the talk about dog. Um, they were great. Yeah. They were so good. I wanted it to be real. I wanted it so bad to be real. I wanted to hear the story. <laughs> I did too. I wanted to hear the story. God damn it. So actually, A is the correct answer. I figured it probably was, but uh, man, I wanted to hear that. And this one is about the Ant Hill Kids cult. Ant Hill Kids cult. Yeah. This is the Chester, by the way. Oh, this is the one you can't pronounce? Yes. Try and pronounce it once. I will try, but it is not even going to happen. Uh, Roche Dariotlut. I see it. I want to I give it a shot. Don't scroll up. I'm not going to scroll. <laughs> there we alt? Yeah, there we go. There we alt. Roche Chester. This <laughs> your name for this episode. is going to be Chester. And you will soon understand why. Uh, he was uh, not a good person. So, I mean, it's a cult. Yeah. So yeah. I've already lost. Yeah. Not that I really tried on this last one, because I just wanted B to be true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did actually lose, because you had to get... Technically, I mean, I had a feeling that A was true, but I wanted B to be true. I'll give you some I bonus just points. wanted B to be true. I wanted to hear about the cult of the Taco Bell dog. I mean, that one sounds so, like... Like crazy, but actually plausible, really. It does because, like, I mean, we did a conspiracy theory episode, and like, there's literally there's a legit conspiracy theory out there, and people believe that birds aren't real. So, listen, that's plausible, okay? It's plausible, and that's why I wrote that one like that because I like I was hoping that it was gonna be so out there. I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna pick it even if it's wrong because I want it to be real. And honestly, I, re- I wish it was real because this one is, that one would have been more. I wanted it to be real because I, that would be such a great story though. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> Chester, a charismatic individual thought to prepare for an impending apocalypse by forming the Ant Hill Kids, a religious commune influenced by the Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. Uh, initially promoting ideals of equality and unity, the group's harmony deteriorated when expelled from the Advent- Adventist church. Hester's influence intensified, including or leading to strict rules such as prohibiting contact with families and imposing communication restrictions. That's usually where it starts. Yep. Among Start members. cutting you off. His descent in, into alcoholism and the imposition of increasingly severe regulations marked the unraveling of the once promising. Um, so, 
I'll, 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 we'll read all this and then I'll kind of add some more detail that I kind of left out because. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's just say he did a lot of the, um, typical cult stuff. But in regards to, uh, rape and everyone. Yep. And with everyone, every woman. Um, yes, so. I am your God kind of thing. Yeah. You want to go to heaven? You got to sleep with me. Ah, gotta love that. Yeah. Uh, so the Anhill Hill kids sustained themselves through the sale of baked goods, uh, but beyond ki- the kitchen, life within the sect descended into a nightmarish reality. Chester began scrutinizing his followers. I love that you just can't say his name. You're just like, and Chester. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he's a Chester. Um, so, like uh, alt or something. Yeah. Not that bad. I don't know. Not that bad. It's not necessarily that I can't uh, I mean, pronounce. I mean, that's part of it, but to that's be honest, fair. He, is he is a Chester. A Chester. Um, that's fair. So he would, uh, you know, hand out punishments to those he deemed insig- insignificantly devoted. Uh, attempts to leave the sack triggered his wrath, resulting in brutal acts such as using belts or hammers, suspended individuals from the ceiling. meticulously plucking each hair from their body or subjecting them to degrading actions like defecation. Yep, that's, uh... Yeah. Well, then. As the well-being of the seminars curated, Chester increasingly embraced his delusional divine beliefs. Convinced that the world would end in 1979, he led his commune into the Canadian wilderness even Quebec would be spared divine destruction. But old Quebec. You're safe up there, guys. It gets better. Quebec is safe. So when, in, when 1979 passed without apocalypse, Chester justified it by claiming different time zones between our, our world and God's. <laughs> Despite his feeble... God ex- does not live in our time zone, you guys. It's fine. Despite his feeble explanation, his followers elevated him as their absolute leader in the Canadian wilderness and later in the Ontario woods. Chester's concubines bore him 26 children. Of two? Six? And let's just say a lot of those, a lot of his um, children's moms were barely old enough to be a, yeah, I classified think. as adults. Um, so as a twisted cult leader, Chester subjected his offspring to abuse, including welfare authorities or leading welfare, welfare <laughs> authorities to intervene and remove the children. The torment extended to the Angel kids when Pappy grew angry, assuming the role of a makeshift surgeon. Followers would restrain the patient, fully conscious. Fully conscious while Chester used kitchen utensils, pliers, or a blowtorch. Oh, dear Jesus. Yeah. The uh, brutal practice resulted in followers loosening limbs, teeth, fingers, and toes. Oh, dear God. 
So uh, Chester subjected his followers to heinous disciplinary actions, including self-inflicted injuries, forced consumption of feces, insects, and rats, and brutal physical punishment. Oh, my God. Uh, His extreme acts involved nailing children to trees, burning followers, followers on lit stoves, and performing sadistic surgeries without warning. Chester's disturbing rituals included a ceremony with a deceased woman whom he unsuccessfully attempted to resurrect by having male members ejaculate into the, a drilled hole in her skull. I cannot. Yeah. Uh, I, right now. I've said it before, but it's about to get worse. Oh my God, it gets, okay. Yep. So among his victims were two of his own children. One killed during a botched circumcision and another left to die in a blizzard. The atrocities came to light when Gabriel uh, Lavelle's near-death experience exposed the cult's crimes. Despite enduring severe abuse, it took amputations and a brutal assault for Gabriel to escape and contact the authorities in 1989. Uh, Chester received a life sentence but was murdered in prison in 2011 by a fellow inmate who handed a knife to the guards ending the life of the self-proclaimed prophet at 63. Yeah. You know what? Bravo. Bravo. Honestly. Um, not that I you know believe in that behavior. Um, but frankly this is, like, this is like the Ken Rex thing <laughs> it all is. over again. It's um, like Ken Rex McElroy all over again, but at the same time, like, bro, so, God, you did so much torture. Like, not oh, that I condone that behavior, but you deserved that shit. So, and then he was already in prison. So, here's the messed up part. Honestly, some follower, followers remain loyal even after. Chester's atrocities were exposed. I'm sure they did. The cult. Highlighting the disturbing power dynamics within the cult. Cult people. While it may seem simple to declare resistance against such treatment, these ordinary individuals endured relentless torment from a deceitful, abusive, and sadistic leader simply because their beliefs aligned with his. Power of charisma and religious Fervor is generally frightening in shape. Bolts, man. There's something else. Whole another ball game. But honestly, I mean, the Angel Kids Call, which I never even heard of that until this. This is the first time I, I hadn't I, either. I can't believe I'd not heard of that. I know. Like I think the I whole, feel like that should be a well-known cult uh, the story. The whole Jim Jones or whatever thing. I yeah. think that kind of overshadowed this. It did, which frankly shouldn't overshadow this story. It really shouldn't. It shouldn't because this is way more um, atrocious, and it's just I. This one is this one is. Oh God! Damn. So for the, the last, last one. one. So at this point, you can't win. No, I can't. I can't win. Uh, I didn't expect to win anyway, because I knew however, you were going to throw me off. I will give you a bonus point. 
came the year that this happened. I won't be able to do that, but okay. I know. Uh, you may have actually heard of this one. Or not. Probably, probably not. Um, so, A is a killing duo who ordered a pizza and then killed the delivery guy because they wanted to know how it felt to kill somebody. Or a pair of girl, uh, female serial killers who would lure men with the promise of a threesome and then kill them after. ticking and I'm over here I feel like I'm I feel like the time is literally just ticking down and I'm just like oh no I feel like this is so serious I'm like oh god okay read them again a killing duo who ordered a pizza and killed the delivery guy because they wanted to know how killing felt or a pair of female serial killers who would lure men in with the promise of a threesome and then kill them afterwards. I, oh, as honest to God, I feel like I've both of those stories. <laughs> I really do. I feel like I've heard both of those stories. Um, why do I feel like there's an... I will say, uh, the fake story is the plot of a Criminal Minds episode. God, I fucking... Not a so Or the rough estimate of the plot that I remember from the yeah, yeah, right. I knew it came from somewhere. I knew it. Recognize. Um. So much more difficult, Matthew. <laughs> oh, fucking hate you. I don't. I wish I could know. record this right now. I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna eeny miny eeny miny miny mow it or something. I don't. Got a fifty percent chance. I don't. No, I don't know. I don't know. B. So your final answer? No, because they're both probably. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the majority of my guesses have been wrong. I don't like it. I don't like any of my answers. No. Um, and you're two for, you've got two right, two wrongs. So you're 50%. I, I know. I know. But like, <laughs> I'm scouring the recesses of my freaking brain right now trying to decipher what's television and what's true crime because i don't know because i don't 
listen to a lot of obscure true crime. I listen to a lot of mainstream true crime, but I also watch a lot of freaking criminal minds, you little shit. <laughs> I know. That's why I included this one. Stupid ass. You guys can hear her, like, I can, I hear know. her pain. And <laughs> if you were here, you would just love this. Uh, I want to be right, but at the same time, I kind of just want to say fuck it all and just guess because I don't care. Because I do care, but I don't. And I'm going to lose anyway because I've already lost. So, like, what's the point? But, but you, I still. You have a chance to win still. No, I don't. If you guess which one's real and guess the, and I will even give you the decade. I'm still not going to guess that, right? That's like nine, ten numbers. 10% chance. I'm still going to guess it wrong. <laughs> I'm still going to guess it wrong. I will even. I'll no, even, you're not. I'm still going to. I'm still oh, going to. I will give you, if you get within two years. I'm still going to guess it. Probably. I know myself. But I... you, you got to figure out which one's true, though. A or B. <laughs> a killing duo who ordered a pizza and killed the delivery guy because they wanted to know how killing felt. And since you're probably going to ask me anyways, B is a pair of <laughs> women serial killers who would lure men with the promise of a threesome and kill them after. All right, my, my answer is B. Final answer? Yeah. You want to guess the year? Decade. Decade would be. Am I right? In a second. You're giving me a decade, decade. then that means I'm, tr I'm right. Not necessarily. Uh, decade would be the 1990 to 2000. Oh, the 90s. I don't know why I said it like that. I mean, I, I don't know why you said it like that either, but I mean, screw it. So technically 1990 to 1999. 90. Okay. So the correct answer is A. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you well i i asked you for the decade because if you got close i was still going to give you the bonus point oh i'm gonna but this occurred in 1997 <laughs> 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 one, if you would have said 1995 i would have extended i would have gave you the bonus point you know what's really annoying was my gut was 97 but i was like that can't be right so i went with 94 <laughs> this this one is called the pizza killers and once I start talking, you've probably heard about No, this. I'm sure I have, because I thought that was the Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> but I was like, no, I think, I've, I think I've heard of that one, but I think that has to be the Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> God damn it. So. Uh, <laughs> I hate all of you. So, everybody, uh, just start commenting what you want her punishment to be. Uh, she is two for five, which is not very tall. 
It's not fair. You're throwing in Criminal Minds episodes and shit. That's not fair. And I also don't even remember if that was a criminal. I know it was some kind of. Well, uh, it was something episode. like that. But yeah. I watch that. I watch all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it was something <laughs> I've seen. And I don't know. It could have been something I just imagined or something. No, I'm sure it was something <laughs> like that. I recognized it. So I'm sure it was something of, along those lines. So, uh. Royal Sussex County in New Jersey appears at first glance as a safe haven for its diverse farms, seemingly deserted houses, strip malls, and quaint communities adorned with numerous antique shops. Yet this unassuming setting became the unexpected stage for two brutal and random murders. Oh, by the way, there's actually two people, not just one. Well, yeah, it was a couple. Well, no, I'm talking about the duo. They killed two people. Oh, okay. Got Uh, you. But. I figured that would give out too much information, so I just included the delivery guy. Um, so, um, it serves as a stark reminder that unfortunate incidents like murder can occur anywhere. Um, on the night of April 19th, 1997, Pony's Pizza and Pasta in North, or New Jersey received a call for two pizza deliveries to 196 Scott Road in nearby Franklin. This wasn't the first time Tony's had been contacted that night, as the caller had reached out to multiple pizzerias, all of which refused to deliver to the specified address. Sensing something amiss, owner Giorgio Galera, (laughs) accompanied by 22-year-old employee Jeremy Gordano. <laughs> Close Sorry. enough. Uh, Just le- go with the first yeah. name. Left the pizzeria around 1030 to fulfill the order. Um, so, oh, the owner went? Yeah, Giorgio was the All owner right. of this well, pizzeria. You know what? Props to him. Oh, yeah. That's a good owner. He sent something wrong, so he didn't want to send his delivery driver to go by himself. Good so man. Of course, it won't matter. but No, but um, it was nice of him to do that and make sure that he was protecting his employees. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, go and die, but it was nice of him to make sure it was him and not them. Arriving at the house, Giorgio and Jeremy encountered Jason Vreeland, 17, and Thomas Hotchkefisk. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Uh, 18, waiting outside. You're going to make fun of me, so I'm going to make fun of you today as much as I freaking can. Seated on the passenger's side... Um, oh god i know what they're gonna make me do (laughs) galera rolled down the window to discuss the owed payment in a chill and turn of events um the uh instead of producing money pulled out a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol and opened fire into the call car breland armed with a 22 caliber revolver also joined in the shooting Following the attack, the shooters removed the bodies from the car, leaving them on the ground alongside the untouched pizzas. Notably, no money was stolen from the victims. The police traced the call to a nearby Dunkin' Donuts, and surveillance footage revealed the teens borrowing a phone phone book at 10 p.m. that Saturday. Both perpetrators were apprehended two days after the murder. Yeah, I mean, they let a trail right to them, so... Back in the phone book days. You remember those days? Yeah, I do. It's just one of those things like, listen, if you're going to be stupid, be smarter about it. Yeah. Um, 
So basically that was the whole thing. Um, they had possibly, you know, been involved in a robbery 11 days prior. Um, well, they weren't possibly, they were involved in it, but they were involved with the third person. And that's kind of where this plan started forming. Um, because the two wanted to, they wanted to know how it felt to kill somebody. Uh, the third accomplice, Michael Conklin, uh, he was actually the getaway driver for the robbery. Uh, he actually dropped out of this whole thing because they were planning it and he just didn't want to murder somebody. That's fair. Originally, they were just going to rob the pizza guy. Um, you can understand yeah. that. But once they started kind of going more into, the, you know, deciding to murder him, uh, Conklin basically just said, oh, no, I'm out. <laughs> um I'll so, do some smaller crimes, but I'm not going to murder anybody. That's fair. Props to you. Um, both shooters were convicted and received life sentences. Um, Breland will be eligible for patrol, uh, parole, patrol, patrol. Parole on October 14, 2044, at the age of 65. Oshkovic will be eligible for parole on October 20th, 2072, at age 92. Uh, he was said to be the mastermind and main shooter uh, Vreeland claimed that he while involved he mostly just shot the dash of the car so um, exciting yeah so that's for the most part it um, not too exciting uh, I think the threesome one would probably have been more interesting can't trust my leads me a I mean, you did a lot better than I thought, honestly. Although, it's kind of hit or miss when you were struggling on the Zodiac Killer one. Listen, once I started overthinking, starts going wrong, <laughs> started overthinking, I should have just A or B. And just, I should have just... Most of the time, because you picked the... I mean, you were you picked the I right I started answer. strong yeah. and then started failing. It's fine. It's I'm. But I have a feeling. Why do I? F- now they definitely are. You should have said it while we're on air. I know. About it. No. Oh, we're definitely going to have to do this again. Oh. I had a lot of fun in this. I had a lot of fun in the research. I'm sure you freaking did. You're over there grinning like an idiot. Oh, this is this is like... I've been over here with my head in my hands, like, thinking so <laughs> hard. I'm sweating. I honestly thought the Zodiac Killer would have been the easiest one, because that's, like, the I, most yeah, common. It is, but, well, it's like I told you. It's like, I'm not super into serial killers. I know a decent amount about serial killers, but ironically, the Zodiac is actually a really big, like, <laughs> blank area in my brain. It's it's missing persons um, that I typically know about. So, I mean, obviously, like, the, the Zodiac, I could have probably done a whole Or just unsolved murder. Time. But, and that's kind of one, one reason why I chose to do it like this is because a lot of these stories are smaller and won't really fit into a full episode. No, it was a, it was a cool format, aside from the fact that you're torturing me. Oh, I'm still going to do this again. Oh, we'll see what the fans think. Oh, yeah. So if you want, if you want to see me torture Jordan again with this format, just let us know. 
I'm sure they'll vote yes. Don't worry. I know you guys love it. I just want to thank everybody for listening. I, f- I don't ever write an ending, so Jordan has them, you know, written out and all good to go, and I just kind of wing it. Yeah, Matt just throws it out there. And then I totally forget at the end what I'm <laughs> talking about, so I will just thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you can like, comment, or subscribe on, you know, on any one of where the podcasts are, uh, on our YouTube, all links will be in the description. I want to thank everybody for listening. As always, we'll keep you guessing.